to Summer Bays, the unofficial Home and Away podcast brought to you by Clara Kavna, where I take a weekly look at the trials and those big old tribulations of Australia's most beloved surfer town, Summer Bay. Each week, I'll do a deep dive into the week's events and discuss dilemmas our characters are remarkably good at finding themselves in, like, is murdering a murderer really a crime? Or is running away instead of testifying really the best idea? Get ready to feel closer each day to home and away. Now, before I get started, I just want to share a top tip to really enhance your home and away viewing, and that is no spoilers. Don't look at what's coming up tomorrow on home and away. Don't look at the little teasers they give you at the end of the episodes it's so tempting but it's so worth it it's a big old game changer just try for a week and see right so the red hot chase to the blue mountains was thankfully a success the leather clad piratas and mac made for a great team i love how they were like no bella can come to us i think they're treating her a little bit like a wild animal but it worked very well the convincing voicemail from Nick was very good. While a little bit manipulative, he was kind of playing in her at her own game. She very much abandoned him and made him look like such a mug by leaving him there and running away. And yeah, Bella eventually pays the price for it. But I like how they were, it was almost trying to, yeah, they were very much trying to like catch a spooked animal for sure. <laughs> and how they coaxed her into realising the error of her ways. Saying you're making it worse and Nick will now be an accessory and you're hurting Colby. Duh. So I did. I wasn't sure if they'd both come back, so I'm glad that she came back. Bella bursts into the station to give her statement. She absolutely knocks it out of the park. But there was one bit where, right before it ended, when they were talking about when Colby returned... And they met in the hospital. And then Angela's like final question is, so you never discussed what would have happened to Ross? It's like, no, we never discussed it. It's like, surely you would. And surely Angela should push her on that because surely that would become up in conversation in the 18 months or a year or whenever it happened. Of course you might go, I wonder where he is now. Like, would you not be living in fear? That would be a general question. So I don't know why Angelo didn't push her more on that. Obviously he was knew that she was maybe pushed too hard in the interview so or he might just interview her again but I thought it was a weird place to end because at the moment team Colby are doing pretty well against the police and I don't know why they didn't tell Colby I'm sure the journey back from the Blue Mountains Mount Kurrawong is very long why didn't they tell Colby because he really channels his frustration at Angelo into giving out to Mac being like why didn't you tell me and like, where was my warning? So I just thought that was a bit mean. And I'm glad anyway, he shows up at the Paradas later on to say thank you. That was definitely the right thing to do. And I'm sure a very hard thing to do. But they definitely deserve to thank you because that was very stressful. Now that they're back at Safe and Sound, and Bella and Nick get it in the ear from both their families. And I like the way Ari and Tane say, like, just talk to us first because that was such a stupid idea. And he's like, I already feel like an idiot. So that was good. Can't say the same for Colby and Bella. That shouting match was very intense. And once again, Colby's giving Bella a hard time. And like Colby's making his own mistakes. So I don't really understand how shouting at Bella is the answer to things. Side note, Bella is so good at a single tear cry. And she like puts in these like little gasps when she's kind of getting upset. And oof, very good. How she didn't realise that 
in her trying to protect him actually made things so much worse. It's just beyond me. But anyway, that's just how Bella thinks, I suppose. Then after, (laughs) as if Bella's probably like, I haven't coughed it enough. Now my boyfriend hates me. She's filled with remorse by what she did to Nick. And I think he did really well to call her on a crap because she doesn't really listen to Colby that much. And Willow and Dean, it's kind of from the same people, but... When she gets it from Nick, it's it resonates way more. Like when he says, like, I left my family for you and you ditched me. You totally used me. So I'm glad that she understands the consequences of her actions because it really was not good. And I just, this whole, I thought I could disappear to make everything better. Like you being here is not the issue. The issue at hand is trying to convince the cops that you had nothing to do with your dad's murder. Okay, can we please get on track, Bella? But in I love a good redemption story and her getting Nick's job back, I think, was a perfect little way to to get back in Nick's book. So I'm glad he didn't lose his job with Alf because Lord knows how many chances can that boy get. Oy. Speaking of Nick's chances, and now that the Pradas are in good terms with Colby, that whole Nick robbing the car and the diner robbery totally dropped. Where does that go? Like, not no mention of it. I know that they were saying, like, oh, the cops are off our back and it's better to have him on side. But, like, excuse me, nowhere to be mentioned or that's just... I know it's a bit busy now with the other storylines, but that's very much gone away. Um, I'm not complaining. They're two very annoying storylines, but it's just funny how some storylines just get casually forgotten. So, but anyway, underpinning this whole hunt for Bella and Nick is Colby's cozying up to Angela's wife, Taylor. So <laughs> and there was a few glimpses of it last week, but this week they really get close. And the amount of heart to hearts and glasses of wine they have. Sob story after sob story. This is not heading in, in a good direction. Oh my God. They're really getting close and cuddling up a lot. And I just don't understand his intention. It all seems a bit very like he's trying to court her, but then it's very pally. But I don't know. Now that he's gotten access denied on all the case files, he is pumping his efforts into Tyler. Colby's getting insights into all the fighting that's going on. He's overhearing them. He's getting it from Taylor. And Taylor's definitely trusting in Colby a lot. But it's when Dean finds out that Colby's a bit in trouble because Dean now with Jai has so much more to lose. And Colby's excuses of, oh, I'm going to use Taylor to stay on top of this case now that I don't have access to the files. And Colby seems to think that Taylor's the one who convinced Angelo to lay off Bella but she didn't she didn't like I feel like Angelo's if this story was true and somebody else murdered Ross I feel like Angelo would be very sensitive so I don't really believe Colby I think he's fully lost it yeah Colby is just such a loose cannon at the moment you actually don't know which way he's gonna dictate how the story goes it's just fascinating because I just didn't expect team Colby to be doing this well this far into the investigation like there's no clues on the body all their statements match up Bella's finally testified like it's going pretty good so maybe murdering a murderer isn't a crime if you get away with it but I do think there's a moral issue it's not even playing with fire it's like playing with nuclear energy or something it's just so stupid but I'm all for the risks I just feel like I don't know which way the story is going to turn Angelo they didn't bring him back for no reason oh I just think there's a lot more to this storyline it's going to get pretty stressful now 
before I move on to Dean, I'm just going to rattle through the other storylines that were going on during the week. So Rue is well and truly spun with this arrival of Evan. And once he gets his DNA results, he decides he's going to stick around, which is totally understandable. But once we get the revelation that Rue was in love with Evan, now we understand that it's a little bit hard having his identical twin brother hanging about the place. And if we're going to just take this story on board and just have it as believable, you do kind of feel sorry for Owen when he's like, oh, I always felt like something was missing and now it's too late. And like they're at the same festival and like, whoa. So... Yeah, it is a bit sad. Yeah, at least he's just not annoying. Owen is, seems much nicer than Evan, even though he does wear rope necklaces. But however, we will push by that. He also looks a little bit like a yoga teacher, maybe. Very zen. But you know Rue was feeling serious if she told her dad that she was falling in love with him. And then she had to watch him die. Very sad. So I don't really know this roller coaster of Rue being okay, Rue not being okay, Rue being spooked, Rue being okay with it. It's just, I don't know, there seems like there's something more at play there. Because it's happened a few times now. I'm not buying it, Rue. But look, if I was in love with someone and they died and then their identical twin arrived to my hometown, my little seaside village, I think I'd be shooketh, that's for sure. And it was a big week for Jasmine. She kind of rocks in. Did anyone notice her new head of hair? She's gone for like a curly, seems like she got a new extensions in or something. It's like, I don't know. Maybe because they're kind of shifting her storyline out of crazy hand that rocks a cradle lady to recovering, grieving wife. And her hair is just more relaxed. It's less straight and styled. It's more kind of voluminous. I'm yeah, really loving it. Very nice. Suits her relaxed vibe. But as her counselling sessions continue and then she's like, I'm not going back. Here we are in this usual classic stubborn Aussie performance Sorry to say, but her not wanting to go to the grave and and not wanting to go back to counselling and just this whole sing and dance and her saying, well, it was kind of sad when she was like, I know what happened. I don't need to see it carved in stone. Bit dark. But in fairness, she did. She has lost her husband. It's just not really part of her language or something. But... Tori getting involved, saying, look, it'll bring you peace. I'll go with you. And she did have a lovely moment at the grave. And I think it was very healing for her. And I thought it was really sad when she says, I miss who I was. She's just changed a lot. And her getting to say that she's angry and that he broke his promise, saying that he would never leave. So I think it was good for her to get it all out and even to be able to say, like, I forgive you and stuff. I thought that was nice. And a real shift or a pivot towards Jazzy getting better. So I'm all for that. But speaking of stubborn performances we have just in. So he's arguing with Leah and Tori. He's, you know, downplaying it loads and ugh. And then getting annoyed that people are caring for him. He just, I don't think he likes the change of now knowing that he's sick. Now knowing that he has to have an operation. But saying like, my body, my choice. I love how he chats to Alf about it because they're both two stubborn mules. But it gets really serious after Tori goes to the cemetery. And she's reminded by how much death is around her. And yeah, Justin's point blank refusal. It's just, it is very dangerous. And she's right to kind of say like, look, I can't lose him. And her natural sisterly reaction is I can't lose him. He is her rock. He's basically her co-parent. So I can understand how desperate she is when she invites Justin's daughter Ava up to stay. But oh, <laughs> Justin is not going to be happy. And it's real emotional manipulation at its 
very best like very best but I'm kind of like all for Tory like he needs something dramatic to happen to make him see sense for sure in the words of John just what the world needs another Dean Thompson (laughs) so I'm so happy this back and forth about oh, I don't want you to know that you're the dad. But the real crux of that storyline is Amber's power play over Ziggy. Like, she, Amber does such a good job of getting in Ziggy's head, saying, like, were you the one who got Willow to trick me into meeting up with Dean? And, like, I'm not worried about Dean, I'm worried about you. And I don't know really where you fit into this, if at all. Yeah. And then the awkward lunch, the big territorial showdown at Salt, and really making Ziggy feel like an outsider, and she totally bolts, and I don't blame her. But it was just so, like, talking about his... Jai's conception and like all the fun that they used to have in the old days like it's just so textbook like a high school schoolyard drama and Amber's can be pro at it so I don't know I'm not liking her as much as I did in the early episodes I can understand that she's protective over her son but I also think she's being quite primitive and Ziggy then is now going to the farm and I just think like as I was saying last week Ziggy you don't have to be a fourth wheel saying like oh you need to focus on Jai not me that's kind of making it about you because now you're moving out and now Dean's like why doesn't my girlfriend live with me just take a back seat and enjoy the time together I just think it's I don't know what Amber is doing is completely working Mm, so I really don't know it seems just like it's more in Ziggy's head and the way even she's like oh I could like don't worry about Amber I can handle her I was like no, I don't think you can because you're packing your bags Joy's not doing anything to be like who's that strange lady but along the storyline there was a few moments I laughed at there was one where when Ziggy gets introduced to Joy as Dean's friend oof tough one to <laughs> swallow they, Dean like throws the hat onto little Joy and Ziggy says something like you gotta look cool and be sun smart it's like how many five year olds are watching this thinking oh yeah I gotta be sun smart or is it like a message to the parents being like you need to be sans smart like with your children on the beach anyway I enjoyed that bit I also adored Mackenzie's reaction to Amber being so Mackenzie finds out that she's got a nephew and then she finds out that the mother of her brother's child is her arch nemesis Amber it's so good and then they're like little stand up on the beach like families tend to let each other know about these things like children like ooh back in the cold water Mackenzie that's so good it was really good and oh yeah lastly I will finish on this when Bella and Willow are having a chat and they're talking about how close that Bella and Nick got in the mountains and then Ziggy kind of comes in in her dressing gown and starts talking about Jai and then Bella's like I'm sorry what Dean has a son no no not available and just goes to her room (laughs) it was like just too much it was just too much information she was like nope can't compute goodbye I just love that Alrighty, well that about wraps it up for me this week. If you like what you hear, I would love if you could subscribe, rate and or review if you have time, but no pressure at all. If you want to get in touch, you can email summerbasepodcast at gmail.com and don't forget about the no spoilers. Just try it for a week and see. It's so good. Just don't look at the episode's descriptions. It's so tempting, but it's so worth it. Imagine how surprised you'd be if you didn't know. Jai was a massive surprise. Angelo's return was a massive surprise. Kobe's stupid relationship with Taylor was an even bigger shocker. G'day and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>